0: With the director for Matilda the Musical, Matthew Warchus. When I grow up, once upon a time, there was a little girl who was
2: trapped. <laughs> <laughs>
0: when I grow up. this is the story of her great escape. When I up. Matilda, my name's Mr. Honey. I believe you are a genius. Is maths your favourite thing? What I really like is reading. It's like a holiday in your head. Do you do that a lot? Get away from everything.
2: Next. Now get to bed! You
0: little buttwork! There's a place
2: you must sent if you have a speaker! You can't
0: meet the tranch bull
1: now, headmistress of Cranchel. This isn't
0: school.
2: It's a prison. I like troublemakers, Wormwood. They make such a lovely sound... ...when they
0: slap. No! That's not right!
2: You just said... no... to me.
0: Matilda, you need to be very careful! Miss Jungeable, she's dangerous. Eat. It is too early for you. Liz, honey, we need to show you something. For you. We are revolting children living in revolting
2: times. Using revolting songs, using revolting we rhymes. We'll be
0: revolting children till our revolting suns. It is too early for you. We are revolting. Matilda, your mind is extraordinary. It is the biggest one in the world. <laughs>
2: You're a hero. It's for you. For you. Who's doing you For you. For you. are
1: Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you again, Matthew, for your time this morning. I'm very excited to talk to you about Matilda because I know that you have such a long history with this musical. Um, but I guess before we really get started, I, I know that you love theater. I would just love to know how this love for this art form started for you.
2: Hmm. Um, goodness. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm trying to th- think of the like the short version rather than the long version. So <laughs> um I grew up in a, a village in the middle of nowhere in the north of England. Um, miles and miles from a theater or a cinema or anything uh with culture in a very ugly village with Europe's largest coal-fired power station in the village, and just a scattering of houses. And my dad was the vicar of that village, and so and looked after the churches in about three villages around. Mm-hmm. But before I was born, he was an actor. Oh. So, um, and then he changed career as I was born. But it meant that I grew up in a household that wasn't afraid of the theatre, um, which I think some people are going to the theatre. It wasn't a weird thing to do. And even though it was a long way to go, um, there was nothing near us. Mm-hmm. We would go from time to time. Um, and then the other thing is I, I grew up as a young kid, um, phobic of crowds of people. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes wouldn't be able to go into classrooms to have my lessons. So I used to be given special piles of books to read outside my classroom by my friendly teacher. And um, eventually I started doing drama um, outside of the syllabus, you know, not learning it at school, but doing music and drama. And that suddenly gave me all my confidence to be in a place with lots of people as long as I was performing or involved somehow like that. And then when I was a teenager, I got a job in my, all my vacations, building scenery and working backstage at the theatre, 25 miles from my home.
0: Oh, wow. And I had
2: to train up in the, my vacations and I would just work backstage from about age 15 as a work experience and then from 16 onwards in all my vacations till I was 21. So I started to sort of do bits of drama and um, but anyway, that's the sort of background, long background that you probably can't use. But I remember seeing some productions when I was young. I used to go to the pantomime every year <laughs> and um, and work pantomime backstage as well. And that was very influential. And I saw several big touring productions up in Yorkshire that um, really affected me as well. So for me theatre has been a sort of overwhelming thing since i was young it it just it was it was it was a lifeline in a way and it um very very emotional thing for me so i've always thought that theatre was supposed to do that to the audience i thought it was supposed to overwhelm an audience and as a director that's the kind of thing i go for emotionally overwhelming things
1: that's actually such a touching story. How. It really helped you, you know, overcome some of those fears that you had when you were younger. Do you remember uh, back in that time, if you related to one character more than the other, if you had a play or a musical that really spoke to you in terms of, you know, just that period of your life that you were trying to go through?
2: Um, well, I do remember, Not, I don't remember specific um, characters or the one of the biggest productions actually i was a filmed theater production that i saw on tv and it was a film of the royal shakespeare company's nicholas nickleby Mm. which was like seven hours or something of theater (laughs) installments and um it was interesting to me well i think about it now and i've just directed christmas carol a few years ago at the old vic and that probably owes a lot to that nicholas nickleby production but it was a that dickensian world where you got very exaggerated characters and it was a very environmental production. The characters would be in amongst the audience sometimes. And there was music and dancing and speaking and narration and cruelty and comedy smashing up against each other. And I thought that was a very, you know, formative piece of theater for me. And there's all of those things in the production of Matilda. Well, that plus pantomime equals Matilda, really. Dickens plus pantomime. <laughs>
1: Now, more than 10 years ago, at this point, um, you yourself were able to conduct a or put on a production of Matilda at the Royal Shakespeare Company, which I'm sure that sentence in and of itself maybe was something that you never uh, imagined could have happened, but obviously it did. Um, What pulled you to Matilda? Because I remember when I was younger, I watched the, uh, I think it was 1996 film version of it and I loved her I loved Matilda and how sneaky and smart and just fun she was in every which way um for yourself how did you either connect to that material or really just what drew you in
2: yes well in 1996 I was 30 so I wasn't rushing to see um <laughs> film. and I didn't have um children at that point either so I had no other reason to see, it. so I didn't know that film at all. And I didn't know the book because it was published in 88, I think, 89. Mm-hmm. So although I knew Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and James Giant Peach and stuff, um, I didn't know Matilda. So I first encountered it when the RSC, I was working in New York and they sent me the first a draft of Dennis Kelly's adaptation oh. with no composer attached and um just to see if I was interested. And the reason they sent me that is because I had directed years before, maybe like I don't know, ten years before or something, a successful production of Peter Pan that was done three or four times, and the people from the RSC had seen that, and so that's that's why they thought of me because mostly I directed non-family stuff since then. So anyway, I I encountered this thing, and I was reading it. I thought it was brilliantly written. It was very very funny, and and powerful and moving and made me laugh and cry which is also a big deal um it's something which does both of those things um is rare and really um it's like striking gold when you find it and um for me and i i am um, and i don't know why i think the reason probably why it made me uh move me so much was <clears throat> part of my experience of being at school was being bullied as well and so the, the the side of it, which is a, about bullying and about somebody, about the defence of creative imagination, she has this, she's a girl with an amazing brain and it makes her very, very intelligent and very, very imaginative. And everything, everybody, her parents and her school, um, uh, headmistress headmistress is pitted against that. And there seems to be a kind of war between philistinism and culture hmm. um, or stupidity and intelligence <laughs> as well. And um, so and I really responded to that because I felt a bit like that growing up. Um, I I felt my own little minor mini version of that. Um, I had to hide the fact that I was reasonably bright and being um, uh, inventive and imaginative and being interested in creativity wasn't really. I had two brilliant teachers who did encourage that. But generally speaking, it wasn't uh, a thing to be proud of when I was growing up. So it reminded me about my school days and I felt strongly about that. And I think like Dennis Kelly and like Tim Minchin actually, which is why they're both such a good fit, I share with them a sort of sense of, I don't know, um moral fervor, if you like, in like in in believing that we should try and make the world better. And we should try and do that through our writing and our directing and our composing and our actions in the interactions and our creativity as well our relationships so and of course everybody would would agree that that's the right thing to be but I think it's really inspiring that this tiny little person who seemingly should be powerless is so um committed to that ideology that she is able to use her all her creative forces to um, change the world for a better place so i think it almost if you like to be honest the politics of the story really Mm -hmm. really grabbed me Mm -hmm. and um, and the other thing by the way i will just say is that i noticed because while i was waiting for the script to arrive in new york and the days before we were emailing scripts around i read the book for the first time (laughs) so when it arrived i was expecting it to i was interested to see how i was going to deal with it because the book is a series of chapters. They yeah. don't really have an overarching um, art shape to them as a, as a single piece. You know, they are, it's, it, it's not, it's created for reading in installments. It's not created for performing in one narrative sweep. And, but it arrived, it wasn't like that at all. It had this um, shape to it and this um, beginning, middle and end. And the way Dennis had done it is woven in a story um, that Matilda seemingly makes up about an acrobat and an escapologist. And I thought this is absolutely brilliant because I'd seen when I read the book how what the challenges were and how un- difficult it would be to turn into a a show. Mm-hmm. He arrived with a solution. I thought this is brilliant. He's taken another royal doll story and he's mashed in he's woven <laughs> it the Tilda story. So I've contacted him to congratulate him on that. And I said, "Where is that other doll story you got?" He said, "No, I made that one up." Oh. <laughs> and, uh, so then I thought, well, this is an incredible few, um, meeting of minds yeah. uh, between Roald Dahl and Dennis Kelly. He's really Dennis is able to just easily speak with Dahl's voice and 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 add, add structure and shape, um, dramatic structure and shape, which isn't required in the book.
1: That uh, acrobatic story was one of my favorite parts of the films which I got to see last night. I was very much invested in the story like the librarian, <laughs> just him yes. eating and waiting on every single word. Yeah, um, you know, good. in general, since you are the director behind this now Netflix uh, Matilda, the musical film, uh, what is it like having to move from the stage to the, to the screen when it comes to a production that you are very much familiar in one one sense, uh, mm. and then having to take on this whole new challenge with so many ch- children actors around, which I'm sure <laughs> it was mm. both wonderful and also a little complicated with so many young minds running wild.
2: <laughs> yes. well there's lots of things there i mean there are so many things um that come into play in the job of tr- tr- um translating it from one medium to another that yeah. we, we we could spend days talking about them but and luckily we had about 3 years to 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 do that conceive it yeah. um because of covid and everything and that really helped in fact we also had the mm, 8 7 years uh preceding that to think about it Mm -hmm. whilst the show was running on stage and i think that amount of time thinking time was really important because if the show just opened on stage and it was very much still blazing in my mind that version of it i think it would be hard to reconsider it and um reconceive it Mm -hmm. um and i think it's not a There's a good reason why it's very rarely the stage director who directs a film of any stage to screen adaptation. Um, It's frustrated a lot of people, but I think I understand why it might be a better idea in lots of cases for it Mm -hmm. to be a different person because you've Mm -hmm. got to behave and think like a different person. And I must say, I feel for the executives, the producers at Working Title, Sony, and Netflix who were probably worrying like crazy that I was going to just basically, you know, do the stage version on screen <laughs> and had every right every right to expect that I would be locked into a version. And Dennis as well. But I think the fact that, you know, Dennis and I, we, we really wanted to be different people when we were doing this different job. And so we were able to look Ascance and at arms, the uh, stage production and put it at arm's length, and to recognise what its transferable ass- assets were, transferable skills of that story, mm-hmm. um, and which weren't transferable. You know, and and it's a very very theatrical stage production. It's quintessentially theatrical. Um, it just takes all of the things that theatre does well, um, the stage show. And exploits them all <laughs> pushes and them all that, out there <laughs> it does and and that actually means that it's just gone so far in that direction of theatrical it's, it's miles away from film so much of it is and that's kind of helpful because there's no confusion like maybe that bit could work so there's no yeah. way that could work no way <laughs> that. Could work. so we have to start again so that helped um and i suppose what appealed to me because there's another long conversation which should be, which i'll summarize what appealed to me about the process two things actually okay. um paradoxically two almost opposite things one is the obvious opening out thing that you can do where we could um create a much bigger world um for the story um the village where matilda lives the whole you as you uh, alluded to the circus you know doesn't appear on stage at all it's a shadow puppet moment projected and um the uh so that's all you know visually completely starting from scratch that whole world and the school of course we don't need a school on stage we just need nine desks and a blackboard and that's done and um so that whole building out of the world and expanding the um Vision is, is, is good, not just because of spectacle, which in and of itself is exciting, but because of all the extra emotional charge you get from uh, making those decisions. Because not only is now Trunchbull uh, a fearful, powerful, domineering force, but her entire school building is uh-huh. that as well, which you don't <laughs> have. So the building out, opening up was exciting. And then the other thing that was exciting, most exciting was the close-ups. Which we can't do that on stage either. Everything right. is in a is in a um a group shot on stage, obviously, um, and right. um, but the close ups became interesting because again, then the emotional charge goes up because you can really spend time uh, right up close to people like characters like Miss Honey, for example, right. and Matilda herself, and the access to the, I picked those two characters because they've got some of the the deepest, most uh, profound emotion in the story. And being able to get a camera close up to that is was new and really exciting. And then the last thing about, your ch- the t- about the children, I committed to the idea, when we found the location, we didn't know how many kids were going to be in the film, but when we found <laughs> the location for the school, we looked at the building, and I said, well, that's a load of kids.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> if, if This is our school, and I wanted it to be our school, because we looked at smaller places as well. And I looked at this, I said, this is the Crunchham Hall, or, But it means we need hundreds of kids. Yeah. (laughs) And and then I got into that with Ellen Kane, the choreographer. And I said, look, I'm going to go for hundreds of kids. And this is when we can really deploy them. The school song, the um, Bruce revolting children, particularly those three numbers. So having made a commitment to give ourselves that challenge and just work and work. Uh, on complicated material with hundreds of kids it was sort of self-inflicted and for all the right reasons so um and and it turns out you know that it it was a logistical nightmare but the kids were brilliant and extremely you know um well behaved and but they were doing stuff in a almost military fashion it was a lot of drilling a lot of repetition um a lot of hard work from them And being schooled at the same time, and having COVID tests at the same time, and everything like that. So it was a big undertaking. But they are, you know, the great thing about children is, up to a point, they they don't tire. No, they don't. (laughs) They've got immense energy. I mean, you then when you when you've got them tired, you think you you know, okay, time to stop because that's if if they're tired, then it's really tiring. (laughs) They have immense energy, so. That that was good, and 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 the project of working with Matilda, uh, Alicia, um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: as a child, uh, the child Alicia, and the children, uh, um, for example, in the in the school songs, that was mm-hmm. a very different project, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, working in very different ways. But I feel that um, actually something that we found is true of the stage show and true of the film, having children involved. It's almost like a blessing on it weirdly because it makes every all the adults up their game uh-huh. everybody feels very protective uh very um committed to doing good work uh around them and allowing children to do good work it's uh there's suddenly a lot of compassion a lot of concern and a lot of fun as well mm-hmm. high you know um upbeat feelings and things like that so it's uh it's not yeah, the pluses the pluses um really outweigh the um the extra challenges of it by a long shot.
1: I do love hearing that that everybody kind of banded together to protect and make it as wonderful an environment as possible. And um as you said, I you have wonderful cast members in this film from Emma Thompson to Lashana Lynch, but my goodness, Alicia Weir, she just steals the show with all of her scenes. I mean what a young bright talent and career she must have ahead of her at this point
2: yes and what i do you know from working with a lot of children in the past and um, but I've, um each time we do a new cast of Matilda on stage sorry I, I don't think it's great to be talking about the stage all the time stage production all the time but, uh, <laughs> but i'll just briefly say we always yes. have four Matildas at any one time and Every six months or nine months or whatever, they change cars. So there's been hundreds of kids play Matilda. Mm -hmm. And they've done a a big job of being on stage for two hours um, and sort of carrying the show on their shoulders, each one of them. But it's a different thing to find one Matilda. And if you like, for the purpose of casting the film, what you're looking for is the Matilda, not a Matilda. Yeah. And um, so... That was a, an interesting thing about the search. And, and there were actually lots and lots of talented kids. Um, we saw, obviously saw um, thousands of people in the bigger group and hundreds, got down to hundreds and to tens. And we saw a lot, a lot of talent. And what's so great about Alicia is that t- t- she's immensely talented. Talent alone won't get you through this experience in a positive way. Um, you need two other really important qualities. And one is a groundedness and a maturity. Uh-huh. A sort of um, a sense of balance and um, just strength really and balance um, to uh, root all of that talent that you've got and to sustain yourself through watches which is a marathon um, basically the shooting a film for 120 days yeah. is a marathon and then the second thing is family and she's you need family support um, yeah so and her family were really really supportive And uh, and grounding for her, so she actually lived a surprisingly normal life whilst doing this extraordinary, unusual thing, which was really important. And it may be that she has a career as an actor, but being talented as a kid doesn't oblige you to have a career in that thing that you're talented at. She might choose lots of other things, and so, and I think it'll just be exciting. You know, what will serve her well is that she's really bright and um, attentive Mm -hmm. and courageous. And I always try to praise the children that I work with for the specific things they've got. Because if you say to a kid, you're amazing, they think, oh, "Oh, that's great. It's like giving them a sugar rush. They don't really know how to do that, get up and do that tomorrow. Yeah. Because if you say, you're an amazing listener or um, "And your singing voice is so uh, accurate, or you were really brave today, or I know you were tired, but you worked really hard, which was brilliant, which was great. Then they know they can get up tomorrow and do that again. So That's I, very I don't smart want. Smart of you. I don't want to oblige her to feel like she's got to um, to knock out another ten movies, um, <laughs> uh, and and play leading roles and stuff like that. She should do what she chooses to do. But she did it extremely She's done an extremely good job on this.
1: Yes, she did. I like that approach. That's actually a very, very smart and a great way to keep someone grounded any age, I think. You don't want to, don't need to inflate anyone a little bit too much. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Matthew, I know we have to wrap up. I just want to say it's been such a pleasure to chat with you today about this film. I'm very excited for more people to see it and a perfect film for the holiday season, I think.
2: Yes, I'm excited. You know, it's the first time... As a director, you just tell stories in order to up, entertain and uplift and inspire your audience. But my audience has been always in the thousands. Oh. And it's uh, the idea that, that the audience would suddenly be exponentially increased to millions yes. is going <laughs> to a completely new experience for me uh, as a middle-aged man a middle-aged director i'm having a brand new experience and it's going to be very exciting
1: hey we always love brand new experiences on this planet
2: <laughs> hey everyone thank
0: you so much for listening to ms sasic's interview with the director for matilda the musical matthew warchus here on the next best picture podcast matilda the musical is now currently playing in select theaters and will be available to stream on netflix on december 25th